Welcome in. Welcome in. This is uh, volume 21, Drunk on Ice. Got Mark the, from the uh, one, one of our fired up writers. So, uh, Mark, welcome in. It's good to have you back, brother. Well, thanks for having me back. Uh, we have uh, hey, quite a th- few things to talk about here. Like Most uh, definitely. You know, as always. Yeah. Hey, listen, a- as bad as this team was, <laughs> there, there's always there's always a space and a place for people to want to talk about it. So, um, sure. listen, just just on you know just to kick it off, right? What what are your thoughts on the way that this season played out, just from a general perspective? You know, I I think it it really kind of went it, it kind of went by the the same way I, I I expected them to be a little bit better than they were, but that was before. Uh, they got the news uh, to go back to the very beginning of, of uh, camp. Um, they got that bad news about Atkinson. They got that mm-hmm. bad news about Couturier. And um, that was going to make it, it – it was going to alter things a little bit. I, I, I thought that they were going to be better than they were. But once those guys went down and it was really about uh, the young players pushing forward with um, – you know, Kate's Frost, where, where they were going to be at, like they were going to sink or swim with those guys. Right. And uh, once, you know, once they lost the, 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 the veteran presence that those guys were and quality veterans, I mean, Cam Atkinson's still a good player. Sean Kateri is a four, former Selkie trophy winner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these guys are good players. And uh, once they lost them and it was on really the young guys uh, to, to kind of carry it, 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 it we were, kind of destined for a season like this, I think, but, uh, yeah. uh, you know, now they're in the, you know, they're in the Bedard sweepstakes and, and, uh, as, as a uh, little of a chance as they may have, uh, they are still in it and, uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens on uh draft lottery day and, uh, how the, the ping pong balls fall, so to speak. So, yeah, I mean, listen, they, they could be in worse, a worse position. Sure. Right. They've got the seventh best odds. Um, you know, the, the first three teams, you know, all have between 18 and 12% of winning. Right. right. But the, the, so they're, they're there, but it's going to, they're, they're going to need some, they're definitely going to need some, some ping pong balls to bounce away in order to be able to, and, and truly, and we'll get into this later, but like truly to jump up into that echelon of, there's a couple of guys at the top of this draft that could really be the franchise cornerstone that you can really truly build around. Yeah. So it was only just apropos that like they played well enough to like sit just outside of that. Right. That like, and, and I think, you know, and it's something you and I have discussed before a bunch of times about like how the idea that, the coach that they brought in did exactly what you thought he was going to do. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. He, he elevated the play of players. He got more out of guys than anyone thought they might get. But in a year where you were trying to increase your odds as much as you possibly can to get into the top echelon of that draft by doing well and elevating those players and elevating the play on the ice you pushed yourself like just outside of that where it's like you almost wish that like Tortorella was the guy that they hired maybe two three years from now yeah 
Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because it's like there's a conversation around, you know, what 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 time is the right time to 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 do those things? Um, And one of the uh, interesting things to me is that like I I I mean, I was like looking at um, I believe it was uh, the 32 Thoughts podcast and they had kind of run through the teams recently uh, that are in the draft lottery. And uh, when they got to, and they spoke about the flyers on there as well, but there was, when they talked about a team like, um, the Anaheim ducks, who I think are, um, I, I, I don't, did they finish with the worst? Worst. Yeah. Yeah. They were the worst team. And, uh, their general manager, uh, Pat Verbeek, who was a former player, rugged mm-hmm. former player. And, um, he had kind of addressed, their situation where he had felt like their team really lacked this kind of like structure and whether you decide to do it and now maybe that's easier to instill that structure when you already have a Connor Bedard on your team Uh, or um, you know, I, it's like a, almost like a chicken and the egg type of thing. Like, I don't know which, you know, yeah, you're right. It's an interesting conversation and um, certainly one we'll find out in, in the next uh, season or, or over the next season or uh, and beyond that, uh, where like whether or not John Tortorella was the right hire at this point in time. Um, okay. I know that him and Danny Briere feel uh, they had their exit interviews yesterday, I believe. And uh, they talked about a lot of there was a lot of talk about roster subtra- subtra- subtraction for the Flyers. Right. And, um, you know, so that's where they'll start before they they feel as though they need to add players there. It looks like they're going to look look at guys that, um, you know, won't be a part of of the plan for next year. I mean, to tr- to be truthful, Mark, I think that what you're looking at at least from my perspective is you now look at like find the young guys that you can continue to build around and give those guys a chance. I feel like, like the, the Phantoms roster, right. They're playing in in the, in the playoffs right now. So they're, you, you can see that there's a certain level of, there's enough talent at that level. Right. And, you know, how much of that translates to the next level. Mm-hmm. But I think I would rather, right. And right. I know we're all super duper fond of the process <laughs> in terms of what that meant for the, the Sixers. But I think if you, I would rather see like this year. And that's the problem that I had with like a bunch of those guys that they signed I would have rather just seen a bunch of young dudes and just at least you throw all the cards on the table. You see what you have, you see what the responses are from those guys in those situations. And even if it's a guy that becomes a trade piece down the road, you at least elevated his play on the ice and you maybe got more out of him. Like I would have loved to see Tortorella with a whole pile of young kids to just say like, let's go figure it out. Let's go figure out who we have that we can keep, that we can build, that we can move on from, that we can maximize in a trade piece. Because I just, I feel like a lot of those like one year veteran contracts that they brought in or multi-year vet, you know, they, they have a pile of bad contracts on this squad right now. I just, I feel like it would be it, it would have been more prudent to be able to get this out of that roster this year than like finishing with the seventh best odds for the lottery. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I, uh, one thing that you said there that was, I, I think really apt about like this whole situation for them is uh, I think that's actually the next phase of this um, looking okay. at all the things that they've said, um, trying to read the tea leaves, so to speak, about like what's going on here, and and like their next step, I think really is going to be like I think I would expect the Flyers to be a younger team next year, a lot younger, and they're going to put more young guys in positions to succeed. 
Um, you know, guys like Morgan Frost, Owen Tippett, Joel Farabee, these guys, Noah Cates that stepped up this year, Cam York. Mm-hmm. Um, these guys are going to be, uh, they're going to play key roles next year on this team. And uh, not that they didn't this year, but they're going to, you know, they're going to get even a larger, um, you know, piece of the pie. And okay. they're going to move up some of these young, uh, some of these other players uh, that they like in their system. Uh, Tyson Forrester came up, had a cup of coffee with the team this year. He was very Absolutely. good. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Oli Lixell was also up here a little bit, a left winger. Uh, right. He's had a really good year with the uh, with, with the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. He's another one. Flyers need help on the left side. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a left, a natural left winger, I believe, and um, so he'll be somebody who who will probably get a long look. And um, those guys are really, you know, um, they're going to be the next wave of guys probably next year. But um, you know, I don't know if we're going to see, you know, I don't know that Kevin Hayes is going to be back next year. I don't know if Ivan Provorov is going to be back next year. There's a lot of rumors, a lot of smoke around those guys. And um, it doesn't really seem as though, as though based on what was said yesterday, that the Flyers are going to be really quick to throw uh, a lot of money at their problems. They're not going to be looking at uh, high price free agents. They're not going to be in on this high-end uh, trade market. I think the term that they used, uh, Briere and Tortorella, was backfill, which I, I think is going to have to do, which is going to be a lot of cheap veteran bottom six types probably. And they're going to move uh, these other young guys up into to larger roles. I think it's smart. I think it's yeah. a smart, very prudent move to, like, don't give away big contracts. You're, you're not in a need to – sign like you're not your franchise is not in that position right now and i think it's the quickest way for them to get back to a position of being relevant yeah yeah so i love the idea when i heard that stuff come out yesterday i love the idea of that tactic being taken because it's a completely shift in mindset from anything that we have ever seen with this franchise yeah yeah, and and that's that's another thing too. It's like with the uh, where we were just talking about the contracts and the cap space. I don't think in the cap era we've ever seen the Flyers like weaponize their cap space, where they're kind of <laughs> using it as, as like, a, oh, we're not going to use it this year, but we're gonna, you know, we're gonna go young this season. We're gonna have this like upwards of, you know, seventeen, eighteen million dollars of cap space, and we're gonna like we're gonna wait till something comes along, whether it's a, a high price free agent or, or something like that. Maybe you know down the road in Austin Matthews or something, mm-hmm. something crazy. Yeah, and they're gonna go then and and then spend it that way, um, which would be really that would be really unique because as you said, I, I you know I don't think we've ever seen them do that before. And, they they um, need to take the Howie Roseman masterclass. Oh yeah, the cat, I mean, the, cat the, the cat management. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, and side side note, when 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 Jalen Hurts, when that contract came out, and you looked at that compared to Daniel Jones' contract. Oh, oh so man. if if I'm if I'm the Flyers, right, I'm looking to kind of look around the the, the city because there's yeah. a lot of information that can be gained by how the city how the teams in this city have managed the, 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 the low point of their franchise. Right. right. You know, so, and, and the Eagles, you know, they, they do it, you know, within five years, they kind of turn that, that, that tide really quickly. The Sixers, that process was a lower, you know, it was a, it was a, a longer burn. Right. And the Phillies, right. They, they, they go, a completely different route right and they just realized that they're not good at building their farm system right now and they they just but they they're just buying guys and they're yeah. in a position where they can right with middleton and a bunch of that money but like i would love for the flyers and i think that's part of what this new management hierarchy is going to provide for this franchise which is like get as much of this out of it as we can because i think we're in a position where we can get it right and i think if they play their cards right this could be a 
a three to four to five year flip where this town becomes relevant in the hockey world because yeah. without it, it and I had something pop up, you know, like, you know, you have like the, the, the Facebook memories, the time hop stuff that sure. constantly pops up. And I had one the other day pop up where it was like a Flyers playoff game. And just, it was, a, and it, it, I can't remember the highlight, but to see that building when this team is at the top of it, as at like the top of the city, mm-hmm. the, Let's be honest. The city rallies around any team that's at the top of that that sure. that, that at, at the top of their game. At the same time, when hockey is relevant in this town, it, it rivals an Eagles level of importance. Yeah, and yeah. I would love for nothing more than like right now, just you know, on the surface, kind of checking in on the playoffs. To see some of these buildings and to see some of the energy that's in these buildings, I just want hockey to be relevant again. Yeah. I want it to be important. I want to be like, I don't want to be sitting here on, you know, April 18th doing the doing the the season wrap-up show. Yeah. Like I would I would love for this team to be playing, you know, well into the summer. Yeah. And really just get their time to shine. But it's going to be a slow burn, and I think that sure. they, the having the the shift in mindset and trajectory on the upper management level, and kind of, you know, not pushing those guys aside, but basically saying like, go be ambassadors to the franchise. Right, right. We're we're going to do something a little bit different. Yeah, and you know, I to to go back to one of what uh, one of the points you made there mm-hmm. about you know like looking at. Uh, the other teams in the city and how, you know, looking at how that, that, that is all gone. And it's really one of those things too, for the, the, the flyers, I think where you're like in this position and like, uh, if you look at the Sixers, for example, and, and you look at, you know, how the Embiid situation played out for them and how some of the other drafts that they had that felt like sure things, whether it was the Simmons draft or the Fultz draft and, uh, and it didn't go and it didn't work out that way. Um, and you look at the player that uh, Joel has become and, and, mm-hmm. and how captivating he is uh, and and the level of talent that he has. And it's like there is a little there is an element of luck there, uh, like when it comes 100%. to draft and, and things like that. And if the Flyers were to win the draft lottery and had an opportunity to draft Connor Bedard, the only thing I can emergency think of, pod, emergency pod for sure. We'll have to jump on here right away, no matter what. But if they were to draft Connor Bedard or jump up in this draft, it the only thing that it would rival, and I think in the Flyers' history would have been the Eric Lindros trade, where like you're getting this, okay. like you're getting this one singular, special one of a kind athlete. And he can, in some ways, completely transform the franchise. Mm-hmm. And um, and we're going to get into these things. Uh, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll do long form later, closer to the draft. Mm-hmm. We'll talk a little bit about some players a little bit later on. But, I mean, Connor Bedard is the, uh, the one-of-a-kind player in this draft. But there's a lot of great young players in this draft. And it's... There really is. And, and, and to pick seventh... It's not the it's it's not Connor Bedard, it's not Adam Fintilli, but it's there there's gonna be some good players there that could really be a part of could kind of be a franchise building block for this team. But if they were to move up in the draft lottery, the only thing that I think could rival it uh would have been um the arrival of Eric Lingdross and what that meant for that franchise or what that meant for the Flyers at that time. Uh, I mean, think about that though, right? That move completely flips the trajectory of that team right. at that moment and immediately elevates them into the upper echelon of the NHL. And they yeah. were then relevant, right? Then you got the Legion of Doom and and then they're relevant for, you know, let's just be generous, like the next 10 years, 12 mm-hmm. years, where yeah. that's what a guy like that can do. And right. like, listen, as much as I hate – 
the cross state rivals, right? What 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 do they do? Yeah. Right? They they suck for for a couple years. Right. Right? And then they get two franchise guys. Right? They get Crosby and Malkin and and then the next 10 12 years. They're yeah. relevant winning Stanley Cups like that you have that this league is going to be built on speed and youth and talent. Right. And it's, and it's something that this franchise doesn't have a whole lot of, right. They need to be young and athletic and fast. Like everything is, everything falls in those categories. Right. So it's like, you have to start flipping the roster to figure out, all right, who do we have that's young, athletic and talented? And who do we pair them with? How do they work well with the guys that are on the roster right now? What right. kind of pieces can we flip to maybe make those coordinating moves? You know, and then, you know, like you're saying, you put yourself in a position that somewhere down the line, there's going to be a superstar that's going to be on, on, on the block to move. Right. And now you potentially have the assets to be able to move and pair that transcending talent with a young and up and coming talent. Right. Right. Yeah. And it, it, it's, um, you know, it, it's fun to think about like, even, even in a year where, you know, things weren't, uh, things weren't that great. But I mean, again, like there were young players that did play well this year. Morgan Frost had a great year. Uh, I I think about his second half, Joel Farabee picked up his game significantly in the second half. Uh, And he, and he struggled with uh, he struggled early on, uh, right all throughout the first half. Owen Tippett was was really good as well. And him and Frost actually a lot of their ev- there's a lot of evidence and numbers to back that up that they actually played really well in their best hockey together on the same line. So that was that was a good thing. Um, and you know, it, maybe maybe and maybe none of those guys are are, are like those transcendent you know, players, but, but they um, can be pieces. They can be pieces and you need, you're gonna need guys on a second and third and fourth line. Sure. And, and you need, <clears throat> like, you need like uh, the, you, you look at the teams that are playing in the playoffs. Now, and a lot of these teams are, they roll four lines and, mm-hmm. uh, and they can play and up and down the lineup. They have versatility. They have talent. They have the speed. Um, they have enough grit. It, it's, uh, there's a lot of, um, there's some things, uh, about, uh, the old flyers way that still kind of mm-hmm. survives the game today, but, um, you know, in a skill game today in the skating game that it is today, um, you know, it, it, it benefits you. I mean, we look at guys, we look at players today, like guys like hit free agency at like 29 years old and they right. get like multi-year deals and, and deservedly paid. And we look at them like, oh, uh, you know you know, this guy's going to be 33 when his contract's up as if that's old, but, you know, yeah, but you in know, hot, but in hockey, you're old, you know, at that age, like that's yeah, how and, young and fast the game is today. And that's, and that's the thing I think I need to like keep my eye on is like, when I look at like the moves that when you bring in, you know, the DeLorea move, mm-hmm. right. When you bring that guy in, right. And, and, the first thing that people say, ah, that's the, that, 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 that's a flyers hockey player. Mm. Right. And it, and it, and it always harkens back to like this day of old. Mm. And, you know, I always laugh like when, you know, with our, you know, our flagship shows where it's like all the sports, the, the highlight that we play in the flyers intro is from one of the Stanley Cup video, yeah, the one of yeah. the Stanley Cup victories. Yeah. Do you realize that that clip is coming on fifty years old? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That says a lot about like why do we need to flip and change things? Because the last time that you were in, you know, the position to, you know, and and. and not in position, but the last time you're in there and take and, and actually bring it home. Right. It's almost 50 years ago. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. none of us were born. 
No. Like it's <laughs> listen, unless you're a super duper old head drunk on ice fan, yeah. right? Or or somewhere in a cabin in Canada. <laughs> like you're you're probably, you know, you, you've never seen this team win a cup, which is in this city a travesty. Right. Yeah. There's been a lot of there's been a lot of near misses uh, over the years too. Yeah, you're right. Uh, uh, with them and, um, you know, I like championship droughts are like a part of sports. I think, and it, it's here, here especially. Like you look at the year we just had, just in in Philadelphia sports in general, and and how, you know, all how within a hundred days. All within a hundred days, and, and just how close we all like they ended up. Uh, the birds with the Super Bowl, the Phillies with the World Series, the Union with the MLS Cup, and on the same day, on the same day, and um, it, it, it's it, it's tough, but it, it's a part of it, and it and um, you know, you you have to find. You know, I had always said, uh, as optimistic as I, I, you know, I'm always glass half full. I always mm-hmm. look at it that way. And um, I had always said, you know, I know I wasn't old enough to remember when they won it, you know, wasn't thought of yet. Um, <laughs> and, you, uh, you and me both. Yeah. And um, but uh, I always said like that I wasn't um, I wasn't so much concerned with the last time they won it. I was only concerned about when the next time they won it. And gotcha. and um you know, I, I still feel that way, even though that, that it feels today that they're further away than they've ever been. Um, you know, the, this mm. draft, last year's draft, the, these are opportunities here to, to get it right this time. And, um, you know, hopefully they do. I agree. I agree. Give me give me a guy that really surprised you this year that you have, like, that you think, like, that's a guy I want to see with this team for the next, <clears throat> you know, three to five years. Um, I, I, I mentioned them just recently, uh, just a couple of minutes ago, but Morgan Frost was really, uh, I, I thought he really, really played well, um, mm-hmm. here that the, especially in the second half of the season, I thought he was really, his game was really encouraging. And it's, it's funny because I, I look at where they were a couple of years ago, uh, with, uh, Giroux and Voracek and it always felt like, you know, with, with those two players and, and having, you know, this elite vision, elite puck skills, uh, but they didn't have, it, it never felt like they had like a goal scorer with them, like mm-hmm. a guy who could finish off those scoring plays, at least not in the way that I think we all think of it. Like they had, there was Wayne Simmons mm-hmm. and, and guys like kind of like those, the, those, um, you know, guys that kind of made their living around the net. Okay. And, and um, but like, there wasn't like a, a sniper, so to speak. Uh, they never got the opportunity to play with a player like that here. And it's funny now because Owen Tippett is here. Um, Travis Konechny, I think, is a good goal scorer. He knows, that, you know, he he, he fight, he's good at finding uh, soft spots and coverage and mm-hmm. uh, and and finding um, areas to score in the ice. Has a plus shot. Um, Owen Tippett's got a wicked shot. Uh, probably the best shot on the team. And. But like I think Morgan Frost's game really stuck out to me this year because they really don't have a lot of players on the roster currently that have his vision. I got uh, it. he he was able to um, he's a pass first player and he's not overly physical or anything like that. But he has um, he's got great hands and uh, he sees the ice really well and uh, his game stuck out to me this year because uh, you know they really don't have many players like that and I'm hoping. Uh, over, you know, with this draft uh, this year, that that's something that they address, um, that they're able to get some uh, playmaking type players in here and uh, guys who are like um, able to get players like Tippett the puck where they need it to, to finish off scoring plays because guys like Tippett and, and uh, Tippett, Konechny, Farabee, these guys, uh, they have good enough shots and have good enough hockey ascents where if you get them the puck in a, in a good spot, they're going to finish it off. Uh, but the Flyers don't have a lot of guys at present as they're presently constructed that can get no. them the puck there. So, no, and, and when that's the case, right, then it allows teams to zero in on the guys that can. Sure. On, 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 on e- even if it's on the most like minute levels, 
They're like, all right, well, that's their best guy. Even though that guy is not like insanely elite, we right. can zero in on that guy. But like the guy for me, right? Owen Tippett is a guy that I don't necessarily, it wasn't like a surprise, mm-hmm. but it was unknown. I didn't right. know. We didn't, we didn't get a huge sample size with him after the Giroux trade, you know, at the end of last season. Um, but I think now seeing him, you know, for a full season, you know, he's your know, third in the team in scoring, right? Yeah. He, and a guy that knows how to, knows how to shoot the puck, man. The guy can really just fire it from anywhere. Um, and I think moving forward, that's something you're going to need. You're going to need a guy that's going to be able to put the puck in the back of the net from anywhere you want to go. So, yeah. Um, and knowing that you got a valuable piece out of that Giroux trade, because let's just be honest, right? Anytime you make a trade, if you're giving up the best guy, I feel like you ought to, like the team that gets the best guy in the trade, that's the team that wins the trade. Yeah. So like, I look at him and I look at I'm like, okay, he may not have been the best guy, but he's a guy and he's a guy that we can kind of build around. Um, so it's nice to know that you did get something back that is going to be valuable moving forward. Yeah. And, and uh, he was really great this year. Uh, I, I, I believe the, I believe the team, I believe the team awards. So then he, I think he won most improved player uh, uh, on the team this year out of the team awards. If I remember correctly, I think so. Yeah. And, um, you know, justifiably so. I mean, he was great. And um, he um, he does make that deal look a lot better, you know, for a Mm -hmm. for a player that, um, you know, we we knew. I I don't even know that Florida really knew. Uh, He was former first Mm -hmm. round pick, but it wasn't it wasn't sticking there. He wasn't. I don't know that he was getting a ton of opportunities there. I know he he kind of got buried. Yeah, he kind of got buried on a deep team. And um, that's another thing uh, the Flyers actually have working in their advantage for next year, uh, if they're able to yeah. to to look um, and, and kind of you know get better in the mar you know in between the margins or so to speak, where you know there may be a player that becomes available or maybe flies under the radar a little bit, and you know maybe they just need that ice time to flourish, and uh, the Flyers will have ice time to give. Uh, yeah, so it'll, know, be, because, it'll, it'll, it'll be a good flexible spot for them yeah. to be in. Yeah, so, but he was really good this year. Um, Noah Cates was another one. Uh, Cates was... Yeah, you're right. He was really good. Um, his defensive impacts uh, as, you know, as like a two-way stalwart. You know, for a kid, too, that they moved, you know, he's a natural left wing. They moved him to center. And okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could be a difficult transition for guys sometimes, and I don't know that Noah Cates has a lot of experience at center, and uh, he he was really really good, and uh, that's exciting for for next season uh, with a healthy Couturier back. We know what he's capable of doing at both ends of the rink. Uh, you get him with, uh, and and you have you know Cates kind of as the the pivot on one line and having Couturier on the other. Uh, you might be able to really kind of shut teams down. You know, maybe you're not scoring a ton, but you're 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 not giving up a ton either. So. Yeah, and I, and I think that's going to be something that they're going to want to focus on as they move forward because you're going to look at trying to protect Carter Hart as much as you possibly can. Sure. So not leaving him open to be exposed on a you know night in night out basis. That to me has got to be like a close second in terms of like, yes, we want to see what these guys have, but we also don't want to put Carter Hart in a position where he's got to stand on his head, you know, every single time he goes out and plays. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as far as, uh, I mean, I I thought, uh, I mean, Hart was, um, this was a pretty good consistent year for him. Uh, You know, I was very very happy. Yeah. And uh, as you said, you know, as you alluded to there, Don, like about, look, goaltending's tied to so many things and, and, and the play that happens in front of them. And, and, you know, you, if you're a goal, if you're a goalie and like, you know, you're there, you're a team, you know, you're the team in front of you is giving up opportunities. 
in, in like prime real estate on the ice in between the dots or mm-hmm. backdoor plays or like you can't do anything about those things you yeah. know what i mean like um yeah on occasion you may see somebody like you may see him you know go post the post and like completely like rob somebody mm-hmm. but you can't expect that every night and um uh you have to play you have to play within your you know your systems play and and uh and help him out a little bit um and uh but he played really well this year and and i and i think as this team improves the uh, you know as a group um you know we'll see his numbers his numbers will they'll go up you know the save percentage will go up the goals against will go down and um you know he'll he'll uh he'll be fine um you know the best is still yet to come for him i i sometimes i, I, I agree I sometimes I think we forget how just how young he is because he's been here a little while. Uh, kind of crazy, but uh, he's still, uh, you know, I'm still really I'm a big believer in Carter Hart's talent. Oh, 100. Mark, anything else you want to touch on with the Flyers before we we take a commercial break and then we'll come back. We'll talk. All right. Vonsi Brewing Company is a 20-barrel, 16,000-square-foot microbrewery with a 2,500-square-foot tasting room, including a spacious outside beer gardens in Norristown, PA, in the heart of Montgomery County. The Von C. family is part of the family that started C. Schmidt and Son Brewing in 1860. Stop in Wednesday through Sunday and taste a variety of draft and 16-ounce cans of originally brewed beer and tell them the Drunk on Broad crew sent you. Von C. Brewing is located at 1210 Stenbridge Street, Suite 300 in Norristown. Cheers. Team Clicks are the only glasses for real sports fans. With interchangeable arms you can support all of your favorite teams, or even make and create custom options as well. These die-hard sports fans have realized that sports fans needed something other than face paint to show their love and passion for their teams. Go to teamclicks.com dob and show your love for your hometown team. Latorin's curated collection of men's and women's watches is a perfect investment that lasts for years to come and fits perfectly with your every outfit and style. Our range of classic watches aren't just a great perfect formal and casual accessory, but a time machine that takes you back to memories. Explore our collection of timeless watches that can reflect your taste, personality, and personal style. Our exclusive collection of carefully curated affordable luxury watches is what you need to make a personalized style statement. You can take pride in your prized possession, handing it over to the next generations as your most loved asset that they can also own and display with the same pride. These high quality pieces stand the test of time, giving exceptional value and return on your investment. Goes a lot. Dash tourain.com and use code DOB at checkout and get 10% off. If you're looking for unique sports apparel, check out Streaker Sports. They've dug deep into the archives and have brought back some incredible defunct team logos and have even created entire defunct league collections. They also have collections paying homage to sports culture including the Miracle on Ice, Slapshot, Kadishak, the Mighty Ducks, and even have a license with Wiffle Ball and USA Hockey. Only for drunk on broad listeners, use code BROAD at checkout to get 10% off anything at streakersports.com. Again, that's 10% off anything at streakersports.com with discount code BROAD. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Drunk on Ice Pod. We got Mark in with us today. So, Mark, where we left off, we kind of let's let's touch a little bit on the, the, the draft. So, the draft lottery selection. Uh, will be on May Monday, May eighth at seven p.m. Okay. So that's the that, that that's the day we all we, we we break out every single lucky charm we possibly have. 
Yeah. If you got lucky socks, lucky charm, eating lucky charms that day, whatever you got to do. Um, but yeah, so the, the draft lottery uh, is held on May 8th, right? So now if I go and look, we start, right? Anaheim is going to be at the top. Actually, you know what? I can probably just share this. Here we go. Hold on. Excuse the. Here we go. All right. So we're going to share the screen. Here we go. There we go. Right. So we got the. So we got Anaheim. Right is at the top. They they've got the the eighteen percent chance of winning uh, the lottery. Columbus right below them at thirteen and a half. You know, the Blackhawks at 11 and a half, San Jose at nine and a half, Montreal at, at eight and a half, and then Arizona at seven and a half. And then you got the Flyers at six and a half. It, like we're saying, right? So you're saying there's a chance. Right? <laughs> yeah. You, you, you got it. At, at the very least, you got to hold out hope that, you know, couple of, a couple of things, you know, kind of start bouncing your way. You get an opportunity so in your mind, where is the place that they would need to get to in order to be able to say that they could get a really impactful franchise player? Um, the, the, if you had to say there's a, there, there's a range between one and... I would say um, anyway, the, one, the players one through five are really, really special. Um, I, I think the, the, the talent, uh, the talent level, uh, like you're talking, like you're talking like top flight players in, in the league, but arts, a, a one of a kind talent. Um, it's funny because Adam Vantilli is right behind him. Uh, university of Michigan product. Mm-hmm. He's outstanding. Uh, he's having um, outstanding with, with a little bit more size, maybe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's a bigger I, guy. 6'2", 195, but a guy that, you know, by the time he's full-fledged NHL guy is probably, you know, north of 200 pounds. Yeah. Yeah, he's a big, he, he's a, a big, skilled kid. Um, uh, uh, Mitchkov from, uh, from Russia, uh, mm-hmm. that, that, you know, that they're, they're talking about, there's a lot of discussion around him about even potentially falling out of the top five, okay. um, you know, due to the, um, you know, uh, the situation in Russia and, right, and right. things like that. And, um, but, uh, that, I mean, that would throw, if that were to happen, I mean, you're talking like, I mean, he's putting up numbers in the KHL, I think for that, that like rival of Etchkins at a similar age. Yeah. And, and I mean, yeah, like, it, it, it does give you some pangs of, of, really really elite level russian hockey yeah and and in in uh i in another draft like if it wasn't the bedard draft i i I would imagine he would be same thing for vantilli as well like i like these guys would probably be first overall picks if Connor bedard wasn't in their draft class um and um but I would imagine if Mitchkoff were to fall out of the top five, that that would change a lot of things for a lot of different teams. Uh, the Flyers obviously would be affected and they would have to, to weigh a number of different things uh, because it isn't just about the talent. It, there is a high, there, there's this like level of risk that comes along with him. I believe he's under contract as well with his KHL team. I want to say it's either he's under contract till either 2025 or 2026 so you're waiting, but you're really not waiting any longer than you would for for a normal, you know, prospect that doesn't have that upside. Right. Um, it's just about everything else that's going on uh, over there at the at the moment. And uh, but that that would throw a monkey wrench, I'm sure, in a lot of teams' plans if he fell out of the top five. Yeah, um, you're right. But uh, another player is Leo Carlson. I mean, he he's uh, you know really um, highly touted and, and with good reason. He's another like size skill combination uh, type of player. I believe he's a centerman. So 
um, there's some there's some good players there. And then in that range where like uh, the Flyers just are currently at, at the at seventh overall, if they were to you know not move up or fall, right, uh, fall back, they would get an opportunity to draft a really good player as well uh, uh, there. Um, Oliver Moore, uh, United States Developmental Program, I believe, is a Minnesota kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, highly, uh, highly talented, very gifted. Will Smith is another one. I was going to say, Will Smith is another guy who's kind of just consistently stayed in. Like when you look at like the, like the the pre-draft rankings, like when they're consistently ranking these guys. Yeah. You know, between Bedard, you know, Fantilli and and Smith, those guys have been consistently right at the top of, you know, Bedard has just been a static one. Right. But those two have been right behind him pretty much the entire time. Yeah. Um, you know, Matthew Wood is another guy that's kind of risen up a little, the, the draft board a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I think size might have a lot to do with that, right? The opportunity right. to get a young kid who's 6'4", you know, 195, that, is going to play, you know, could play right wing for you. Right. That the, there, there's one thing you can't teach, can't teach size. Yeah. Right. So, you know, when, when I think there are going to be teams that are going to see, te- see guys that are enamored with size and talent. Um, right. And those guys are going to be guys that have kind of risen, right. You know, the, the other kid that I look at, is like, you know, Braden Yeager, who's a guy that's kind of dropped a little bit. Right. The yeah you know, the the pre-draft ranking was you know in the top five, and now he's sitting at like eleven. So right. it's like, you know, that that's where I feel like they could be in a really good position to get another like to just continue to start stockpiling really good talent and right. You know, not to make another analogy back to another team, the city, right? But with the Sixers. You just you you give yourself as many bullets as you possibly can, in the hopes that like you hit on somebody, because right. you know, in that draft, the like the Embiid draft, the Sixers, if Embiid is healthy, Embiid is going number one, right? And they have no, but he never falls to three, right? So like, is there a situation where something, you know, and I and you know, health aside. Is there a situation where one of those guys, for whatever reason, teams just decide to go a different direction and then you start to see a guy slide and you're like, oh, the pool of players where we're picking is a lot deeper than I thought it might be. Right. Yeah. And that's that that's what I mean with uh, like the Mitchkoff thing. Uh, Like if that were to happen, um, that like the Flyers would be probably one of those teams that would have to can, you know they'd have to heavily consider that um, even yeah, with all the wrong. other, uh, even with all the other problems uh, or not problems, but like, you know, there's like baggage there the, and you have the, to kind of, yeah, I, th- I think baggage is the appropriate term. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you have to think about those things and, and, and you know, it, it's such a, you know, Briere had, had, uh, had said this recently. Um, like what a, like what a critical pick this is for for the the organization and um i like early returns on last year's pick uh with carter gochier and, and yeah i mean he's going back to college another year but um you know it's a multi- flyers are in for a multi-year process so you know no need to I, rush I, him. I don't think there's any any like you're saying i don't think there's any rush to get him here right as long as he continues to just be there and be productive and you know they know that he's gonna he'll 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 transition to this organization at some at some point, right? I I just uh, I I do I think that I think you're right in saying like the early returns on him are all they're all positive they're all pointing in the right direction. Yeah, and he's um like we were just talking about some of these other guys like Mantilli and all uh, Cutter is one of those uh, players size skill combination. He's a big kid. He can skate. Mm-hmm. He's got a wicked shot. Um. And all the tools are there for him to be an effective, like, you know, um, top six, um, mm-hmm. you know, versatile top six forward. And, um, you know, so this year's pick is just as critical as that one was. 
uh, especially when you're when you're picking, you know, you're inside the top ten. And in the Mitchkoff case, you're really kind of you would rather not, I'm sure, have mm-hmm. to to weigh those kinds of things with a pick inside the top 10, because you want it to be as much of a sure thing as possible because you really right. need to hit on those picks. We saw uh, the year that they jumped up in the draft and um, they jumped up to number two and they had the opportunity to take either Nico Heischer or Nolan Patrick devils take Heischer uh, flyers get Patrick and, and not hitting on that pick. You can see how uh, that is uh, plays a part in where they are, why they are where they are. You know, it really does. So, um, it's a anytime you're inside the top ten or top five, it's it's a really really essential that you get a um, a high level player out of that draft. And um, you know, for for the Flyers to have to weigh uh, all the things that are going on, it would only happen, I think, in a in a, in a draft where the Flyers would have to. You know what I mean? It would uh, uh, would have to like consider that, but they won't be the only team that has to. Yeah, and, uh, no, you're right. I mean, we had this. This city has had a pile of false messiahs at the top of the draft. So, yeah, we, so, uh, <laughs> that's, an, that's, an, that's another show for another story for another day. I, I was just gonna say, Don, you, we we could do a whole show on on you know former like former so, top picks for all of our teams. It's crazy. I keep saying I'm trying to sell. I, I I don't know anybody that makes thirty for thirties or movies or anything, but like yeah. you could make a really good sports documentary and yeah. call it the False Messiahs. Yeah, right? between between <laughs> Nolan Patrick, Carson Wentz, like the. There, there is literally an endless list of Phillies prospects of guys yeah. that they, you know, the, the Cornelius Randolphs of the world. <laughs> like it's, it's a, it's a diatribe. I really don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm ready to scratch that wound open just yet. Right. Try to keep it positive for this draft. Maybe. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, just, and Mark, correct me if I'm wrong. When they, when they do the ping pong balls, do they do it like the NBA draft? Like it's just, the first, I, I know the NBA lottery is the first three, and then everybody else slots by record. Do you um, know if it's done in a similar way? I think everybody, I want to say the top ten. I think everybody in the top ten had like could feasibly. Uh, I don't know that it's just by record. Okay. Um. I now that I now that we're talking, I'm not sure. I, I don't think that it's the same way as the NBA draft. Okay. All right. So, uh, all right. So they changed. So only the bottom 11 teams are eligible for the number one pick. Okay. Uh, teams can jump a maximum of 10 spots up to number one. Uh, thus, if the 16th worst team in the league wins the lottery, they would only jump to number six. Okay. So they can only move 11 spots. Right. Um, but they're okay. So teams are randomly assigned four digit combinations that are computer generated. The number of balls placed in the lottery. They do lotteries in 15 second intervals. The team with the winning combination is awarded the pick. Yeah. So it's a little bit different. Yeah. Um, but then they, the number of balls are returned and they repeat the process for the next pick. Uh, and that, so they do that for the, the same thing. They do that for the first three picks. And then every team after the after those three teams are identified, it's in corresponding order of record. Yeah. Okay. So they if you know if I'm if I go back and I look like they could obviously jump up anywhere above them uh, up to number one. Um, the only way that they would pick worse than seventh is if there's a team behind them that okay. jumps up. Okay. So like if, you know, the teams behind them, Washington, Detroit, St. Louis, Vancouver, that's it. Cause they can only jump 10 spots. So right. as long as, you know, if any one of those teams below them jumps up to that top three, then they would pick their, that, that draft slot, that draft slot would slide back. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's, uh, yeah, that's fingers a, crossed. 
another thing about like um, teams that are like eligible for, you know, Washington's behind them and they're in the Flyers division. So that, you know, you don't want Columbus is also in their division and, and mm-hmm. you don't that they, they at their, I think, have the third. Oh, second. 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 Yeah, they're the second. So Anaheim, Columbus and Chicago. OK. Yeah. Are the three teams that have the highest chance. OK. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, you know, we're talking, you know, uh, uh, we're talking a lot about you know, the possibility of us jumping up, uh, the Flyers jumping up and having the opportunity uh, to draft Bedard, but we also don't want Columbus and or Washington to get that opportunity either and have to, um, you know, see another superstar level player in their division for the next, you know, decade plus. So at the, at the very least, the Penguins cannot jump up to that slot. Yeah. Yeah. I think, so- uh, there, Pittsburgh's all out of their they're all out of luck. They're on the back end of this thing. I, <laughs> they 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 should be paying they should be paying hard for for all the you know <sighs> all the fortune they've had. Seriously. Well, <laughs> listen, to to jump on the opposite end, right? Before we jump out of here, um the playoffs kicked off, right? The I think the you know the the level of play Playoff hockey is a whole different animal. Um, what do you love about playoff hockey before we jump into any of the matchups? I I still think um, – I say this often to, to, to people and um, growing up um, being a fan as a kid, and I remember uh, – one of the things I always remember about the NHL growing up, uh, I always remember seeing the commercials, uh, the old um, – the old uh, coolest game on earth ads uh, uh, for the wow. NHL. And um, growing up watching it, I really thought it was, uh, you know, football, you look at a sport like football in the NFL, football could be, you know, the best sport. Um, baseball could be America's pastime and all those things, but the coolest game on earth, that's professional hockey. And that's cool. I remember and, that. uh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and that's how I always felt. It's the ultimate iron man tournament. Uh, it's a, it's a war of attrition every year. Um, it's some of the best, um, form of drama that we see in sports. It's the, um, it's the most, uh, physical, um, and just like, you know, it's this really, it's, it's a war, it's a, it's a tournament of attrition really. And, and that, and that's, uh, it's one, it's one of the few things I think still in, in professional sports, the NCAA March Madness tournament still has that feeling where it, at the beginning of it, it starts and it feels like, mm-hmm. man, anybody could take this. And yeah, I think, I, I think what, like what I love and what you kind of mentioned was like every thing has meaning in the playoffs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's not every shift, every pass, every shot, every save, every penalty, everything has this elevated level of importance that like, because that moment, that play, that shift, that missed pass, that missed shot, that open, the open net that you missed that hits the putt, like all of it has meaning. All yeah. of it can translate to a to a, you know putting that team you know in, in a in a position to win the game or lose the game and and to live and die on every shift it really just it it it's a whole different level of reality television like sports yeah. is reality t- it's the best form of reality tv yeah but when it gets to the playoffs you know and you see that a lot in playoffs right you mm-hmm. you could probably take that same sentiment and put it across, you know, but I think in hockey, it takes on a whole different level of just the, the magnitude is so much bigger. Sure. Um, so I just, and I love like, so e- even like to, to look at the wet, the, the side with the West, right. To see the fact that Vegas and Seattle are both in this early in their franchise history to see how those two teams have kind of just 
said, we're just going to build it. We're, we're not going to slow build it. We're just going to be, we're going to be relevant early. Sure. Um, building the franchise. I think that's a super smart, super smart strategy. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I, I, you know, it's, they, they've been really successful with it. And if you want hot, if you want the sport, uh, to grow in these like non-traditional markets and you put a pro team there, uh, that is the, the best way to do it. Uh, you have, you have to be right out of the shoot. You have to be competitive and you have to give people a reason to come to the rink every night. And, um, you know, both those teams have done that to this point and Seattle kind of took a, uh, you know, a, a slightly different approach than Vegas did. Um, you know, where, you know, the first year wasn't that great, but they were building up a, a bit of a, some equity in that prospect pool. And now mm-hmm. it's like, you know, whereas I think Vegas is a little bit more of a veteran Latin team. Uh, Seattle's a little bit younger and, um, you know, so, uh, two different, uh, forms of roster building there, but, uh, both effective. Yeah. I mean, to see them this relevant, this early just is insane. Yeah. Um, and then to look at kind of the top and bottom of this, right. The, you know, it seems like the Oilers are incessantly in this top echelon of the Western conference. And then mm-hmm. it just never translates to really getting them into a position where they can win a cup. And it's amazing to me that you can have the level of talent that you have at the top of that roster, but the disparity between the top and the bottom of that roster. Sure. Is so dramatic between like the top and then the rest of the guys. Sure. Yeah. And, um, you know, that this is at, they're at a point now where like that, that's kind of, you know, they've been there. Uh, the last few mm-hmm. years, Edmonton. So it's, um, you know, they're getting to that point where it's kind of like, you know, as much as we marvel at Connor McDavid, I'm sure there's a little bit of, uh, and and the Kings won game one the other night. Um, mm-hmm. And there's pressure on that group now where it's like, kind of like, yeah, it's fun to watch Connor McDavid play. Who doesn't like watching him play? But, um, you know, it's kind of like, it's going to become one of those things where it's like, what have you done for me lately soon? And it's true. Um, you know, for his, for his greatest, and I think their group is a lot better this year than they've been. I like their defensive, uh, their defensive core a lot better this year. I think they're deeper. I still think they need a goaltender, but, um, you know, uh, you look at the year that he's had, uh, and, and dry not that far behind. No. Um, you know they're they're always a threat, but uh, but the Kings have a good group too, and 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 they can they're one of the few teams I think in the West that could actually skate with them. So, I, listen, it, it's it's anybody's like I feel like the West is kind of wide open. I feel like there's, yeah, there's a handful of teams that are you know y- you could you could make a case that they would come out of the the West. Now, listen, in the East, I feel like it's kind of super chalky to say you know. Give it to Boston and let every you know, you know, give give them just kind of the fast track. They they just probably had probably one of the most impressive seasons probably in NHL history. Yes, yes, it was. Um, you know what a year and and the the fact that like I love seeing them go all in just as a hockey fan this year, mm-hmm. knowing that I don't know how much more I don't know how much more time they have with Patrice Bergeron. Um, or David Krejci, and, and to see them kind of load up for one last run with those guys, mm-hmm. uh, they deserve it. And, um, you know, Boston's a really, really tough team. And uh, even with the rumors of, uh, well, it wasn't really a rumor, but they're, um, you know, they had been, uh, you know, they had like a little bit of a stomach bug going through the locker room, a virus or something like that. You couldn't tell the other night, you know, mm-hmm. they, they no, you know, with, went without a hitch and, uh, it's just a testament to how deep they are. Um, so they're all in for this year. Um, for if sure. You had so. to pick, if you had to pick a team in the East outside of Boston. Um, I think it's Carolina. I, I, okay. I love the, I love the Canes. Um, they're my pick actually to go to the cup out of the East this year. Okay. Um, I think Rob Brendamore is the best. I mean, for me, right, like I'm looking at 
it's going to be super, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go super chalk, but I'm going to say like, I love Boston and I love where Vegas comes in. So I think the matchups, uh, matchup of, you know, Vegas and Boston together, I think could be a really, really cool dynamic, uh, a dynamic matchup in the playoffs. But, um, you know, listen, we, we shall see. We we will uh, check back in. We will reconvene uh, in a couple weeks with, uh, you know, another episode of Drunk on Ice. Uh, really, really appreciate everybody tuning in, checking in, and uh, we'll see you. We'll see you on the back end. Go, go, uh, go, Philly. Go Sixers. You know, hopefully the Phillies turn it around. But uh, we'll talk to you on the back end, Philly. Later. This is the Broad Street Line, where Philly sports fans leave all of their sports hot takes. Call 267-405-3062 and show us your passion for Philly sports. Don't forget to tune in every Wednesday at 8.30 when we listen to your live reactions to the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat.